Welcome to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio, a program for teens and almost teens to better understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is relevant in their lives. And it's a place where your questions about faith and religion can be answered. And now, here's your host, Deacon Al. Thank you, John, and good evening, everyone. Welcome to Good News here on Catholic Spirit Radio. I am Deacon Al Lundy from the Peoria Diocese and uh, serving parishes in Bloomington, and very happy to be with you again. We're here on Catholic Spirit Radio every Saturday and Sunday evening from 8 until 8.30, and you can be part of the show, too. If you have a question about Catholicism or Christianity in general, you can send us an email at goodnews at catholicspiritradio.org, and we will be happy to answer your questions here on the air. We're heading into the 34th Sunday of Ordinary Time, the last Sunday of Ordinary Time, and next weekend we will be entering into Advent. So we are right now just five weeks from the celebration of Christmas. Hard to believe it's the year has gone so incredibly fast. Um, don't know what caused that, but it just seemed to be a little faster than usual. I think perhaps uh, COVID slowed us down for a couple of years, just made made the years seem like an eternity. And now this year, things are fairly back to normal. And so they seem to be uh, moving along at, at a much faster space. But yeah, we're just five weeks away from the uh, from the Feast of the Nativity, uh, which means lots of extra activities going on at our parishes uh, all over the world. Uh, we hope you'll take time to be part of those uh, celebrations as we prepare for the coming, not only of the baby Jesus, but the second coming of Christ for the last days. Uh, because we know every day that goes by just gets us an, another day closer to uh, the eventual day of, of the last day and our entrance into salvation. So our readings, and this is what we do on Good News, we look at our weekend uh, readings from the Mass and we talk about them and see how they align with our, our everyday life. The, the readings uh, this weekend come from the prophet Ezekiel, from a letter from uh, Paul to the Corinthians, and then from the Gospel of Matthew, and a personal story to, uh, to go along with, with the Gospel that I, I hope you'll enjoy. I hope you get something out of it. Uh, it made a huge difference in my life, and perhaps it'll make even, even if it makes a small difference in yours, that would be, that would be a great thing. So uh, we're going to start with our, our first readings because it's a, it's a bit of a long reflection uh, today. So we'll do our first two readings before our, our break, and then after our break, we'll do our gospel and, uh, and do our reflection on it. So the first reading is from uh, the prophet Ezekiel. And it says, Thus says the Lord God, I myself will look after and tend my sheep. As a shepherd tends his flock when he finds himself among his scattered sheep, so I will tend my sheep. I will rescue them from every place where they are scattered. When it is cloudy and dark, I myself will pasture my sheep. I myself will give them rest, says the Lord God. The lost I will seek out, and the strayed I will bring back. The injured I will bind up, the sick I will heal. But the sleek and the strong I will destroy, shepherding them rightly. As for you, my sheep, says the Lord God, I will judge between one sheep and another, between rams and goats. The word of the Lord. So it's a it's an interesting um, it's an interesting prophecy because again it, it brings us us hope. It's the promise that we are the Lord's and He will care for us. 
But I think uh, what I find interesting is this part about uh, he's going to rescue his scattered flock. He's going to heal the sick. He's going to bring back the strayed. He's going to bind up the, the injured. But the strong, the sleek and the strong, he will destroy. He's the good shepherd. Well, if the good shepherd's destroying the sleek and the strong, you wonder what makes for a bad shepherd, right? I think the way to look at this is he's talking about uh, he's here to help those who have wandered from their faith because they they fell away because of weakness. They fell away because of, of an injury. How many people do we know have experienced a real a real heartache in their life that have caused them to walk away from their faith, a death in the family that they can't understand, a death of a child. It's just hard to explain those things. And for some people, it brings them closer to God. For some people, it, it pulls them further away. And I think we have a, a, a gracious God, a forgiving God, and he understands human nature. And for those who have wandered away from brokenness, he's going to heal that brokenness and bring them back. But the ones who who are healthy, who've wandered away simply because they think they're better than this, they think they don't need the shepherd anymore, they can go out on their own, I don't think that the, the shepherd's going to worry about them. He's going to say, you, wanted, you, you, felt, you felt superior and you wanted to be on your own? Fine, I'm going to leave you on your own. And they'll, that, they'll be destroyed. But the ones who need help, we have a loving and gracious, gracious and merciful God who has sent his son to, as shepherd to bring those sheep back into the fold and to care for them, to nurture them. And I think that's good news for all of us. So that's, that's Ezekiel. Then we have our, our letter from Paul to the Corinthians. And Paul writes, brothers and sisters, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through man, the resurrection of the, of the dead came also through man. Just as in Adam all die, so too in Christ shall all be brought to life. But each one in its proper order, Christ, the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he hands over the kingdom to his God and Father, when he has destroyed every sovereignty and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. When everything is subjected to him, then the Son himself will be subjected to the one who subjected everything to him, so that God may be all in all. Again, another, another letter of hope from, from scriptures. Paul's talking to, uh, to his church in Corinth and, and reminding them, what Christ has done for us. First fruits is an interesting term. So when the, when the, the ancient uh, Israelites first started making um, sacrifices, it wasn't always a blood sacrifice. I mean, oftentimes it was, it was, it was dependent on what that sacrifice was for. But if you didn't, if you weren't a herder, if you were a farmer, then you didn't have your, your best lamb to sacrifice or your best, uh, your best cow, uh, your best steer. So what did you do when you were in an agrarian lifestyle? Well, you gave first fruits. You gave the first part of your harvest, the best, most choice fruits, uh, and the wheat, the grain. 
So that's what they mean by first fruits. That's the best sacrifice you, you could give. And so uh, Paul is referring to Christ as the first fruit, the, the best sacrifice we could offer from mankind. And then he reminds us that we only have death because of the sin of one man, and now we have salvation through the faith, uh, the obedience of one man, Jesus Christ. So there's this, there's this constant comparison in the scriptures in the New Testament between the old Adam and the new Adam, and the old Eve and the new Eve, Mary, and the old covenant and the new covenant. So we're constantly comparing the two because one is the beginnings, is the groundwork in the Old Testament for what's about to be revealed and completed or improved in the New Testament. And so Christ is completing what started with the sin of Adam. The final battle between Christ, his greatest enemy, is death, and that was defeated at the resurrection. So the battle's win one. There's nothing for us to win. All we need to do now is to pick our team, pretty much. Jesus has has won the battle. Uh, He's defeated death through his resurrection. We see that death is not the end, that there is a life to come. And we can choose that life with Christ, or we can choose a a death that lingers for eternity uh, that not only lacks the love and the life of Christ, but we know through Scripture is an eternity of of torment, of wailing and, and gnashing of teeth. So this is what Paul's reminding the Corinthians of. Before we go any further, I have to apologize. Um, John, my, my producer, is supposed to be holding up all kinds of signs and notes for me to remember what to talk about. And w- where were you? We completely forgot to talk about Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, John. Same to you. So... Uh, I got to ask what it what did what was served at your family for Thanksgiving? Turkey. turkey, of course. I don't do turkey, John. I haven't I haven't liked turkey. When I was a kid, I put like no turkey on my plate. But I went for, I went for the side dishes, you know, the uh, the mashed potatoes, the the the, the biscuits, the stuffing, the corn. I I just I have never really liked turkey. It's not so much the animal, it's just the taste of the animal. So uh, my 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 fallback is ham, but now you're telling me ham is Christmas, the Christmas, the Christmas meal. So now I'm stuck because at Christmas I usually have steak, or I have uh, uh, last Christmas, Christmas before it might have been Christmas before we did a uh, 14 rib standing crown roast. Oh that oh that was good. Mortgaged the house to get it, but boy it was such a great present. It was better just looking at it even before we ate it. It was really delicious. But it's this huge standing crown roast. If you don't know what a standing crown roast is, look it up. They're just, they're amazing looking. It's it's just ribs of, of pork, pork chops, all bundled together in a in a circle with the bones sticking up like, like the horns of a crown. And then you fill the center with stuffing. And around the outside, I put grapes and uh, leaf lettuce around the outside of the play. Oh, it was gorgeous, gorgeous, and and very good. But I had like 14 people at the house, so it made sense to do something like that, especially when you don't like turkey, you need something big. This year, I left it up to my mother. I said, what do you want for Thanksgiving dinner? She wants lamb chops. Now, I haven't eaten lamb chops in ages. I have never prepared them. 
I've cooked a lot of things, but I've never cooked lamb. And then she said, well, it might be too much work. You might want to not want to do this. Now she's cooked lamb. So when she says it's a lot of work, I believe her. She's my mom. I have no reason to think she'd lie to me. So I looked it up. Oh, it takes almost seven minutes, seven to nine minutes. That's it. That's it. Yeah. It doesn't take any time at all. So I uh, got all the ingredients. I made the, uh, uh, the marinade and you marinate it for an hour. Oh no, not overnight. You think, oh, if you're going to marinate it, marinate it. Good. No, you can't do that because the marinade is made out of uh, uh, red wine vinegar. And if you go too long, see the stuff you learn when you start cooking. If you go too long, it breaks down the fiber of the meat. It makes it too tough. So it's only an hour marinade, but it was wonderful. Made it in the air fryer, seven, nine minutes. Uh, mashed potatoes, mint jelly. Uh, what else do we have? There's the mashed potatoes, the mint jelly. Oh, sweet corn. Yeah, yeah. Pumpkin pie for dessert. That's, I mean, that's the tradition. I, I like the pie better than the turkey. So we, we stuck with the pie. So I hope you had a nice Thanksgiving. Uh, if you're listening to the program, hope you had a, a great Thanksgiving uh, with your family or found someone to, to celebrate with. Our parish did a uh, did a Thanksgiving luncheon that was open to the public. And we had quite a quite a great turnout for that Thanksgiving day. So here we are closing in quickly on Christmas. So happy Thanksgiving everyone. Okay. On to the gospel. So our gospel is uh, from Matthew. This is uh, chapter 25 towards the end of the chapter. You've all heard this one before, but I have a personal story to go with it that you might find kind of interesting. Jesus said to his disciples, when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit upon his glorious throne and all the nations will be assembled before him. And he will separate them one from another. As a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, that just as Paul had said, he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. A stranger, and you welcomed me. Naked, and you clothed me. Ill, and you cared for me. In prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see a stranger and welcome you, or or naked and clothe you? When did we see you ill or in prison and visit you? And the king will say to them in reply, Amen, I say to you, whatever you did for one of the least brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you accursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. A stranger, and you gave me no welcome. Naked, and you gave me no clothing. Ill and in prison, and you did not care for me. Then they will answer and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or ill, or in prison, and not minister to your needs? He will answer them, Amen, I say to you, what you did not do for one of the least ones, you did not do for me. And these will go off to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Gospel of the Lord. So here's, here's where my story comes in. 
This is a true story, and it's about this specific gospel passage. It's about me and, and someone I hope you know. If you don't, you should get to know them. The story begins at Mass about 12 years ago. It moved to a Subway sandwich shop, and where it ends, I'm not just sure yet. So as I became more interested in serving the church in some capacity, I began to attend daily Mass. And I was looking for answers and and trying to make myself more aware of Christ in my life. So part of attending Mass at that time meant encountering people who lived on the streets of downtown Bloomington every single day that I came to church. You could be sure of two things. Each one was going to greet me with a cheerful good morning. And then the next thing they were going to do was ask me for money. As I said, I'm, I'm attending daily Mass four or five times a week, as well as on Sundays. So I was getting asked to contribute to them every day, often by the same few people day after day. Now, don't understand, misunderstand me. Many of these people are, are in real need. I know that. And begging for alms outside of a house of worship is nothing unusual. In fact, in Scripture, we often read of those in, in need begging outside of the temple and in the synagogues. It's a practice and a character of the church that goes back centuries. But I was annoyed. I mean, truly annoyed. And I wasn't alone. This had become a, a fa- fairly regular topic within our parish community. So on this particular day, I had arrived early for Mass because I was now a lector, and I was proclaiming the first reading and the recessional hymn at the Mass. I'm sorry, the, the, the uh, responsorial hymn at the Mass. And I often came early to have some private prayer time and to settle my nerves down before speaking. So it was, it was a lot like today, the day we're recording this program. It was a wet and cold fall day. I got to church and and I was greeted outside the front entrance by a new face, a tall, strong looking man in weathered clothing and an even more weathered face. I'm guessing he looked in his late forties, but to be honest, people who live on the streets are often aged far beyond their years. It's a difficult life often riddled with addiction and, and violence. He gave me the usual enthusiastic good morning And he asked if I had any change I could spare. I don't remember even making eye contact with him. I just said, sorry, you caught me on a bad day. I don't have any money with me. And I quickly walked away and entered the church. But I had lied. I had a little over $20 on me, and I knew it. And I purposely lied just to get on with my life and my prayers. I lied to get on with my relationship with Christ. Now, how ironic is that? So as I settled into my pew, I began a conversation with Jesus that went something like this. Is this really what it means to be your disciple? Do I have to pay entrance fee every time I come to church? Do I really do something wrong by not giving these people money? Now, I should add that Jesus and I have been having these kinds of discussions for years. It began when I was about 13 years old, but that's a whole nother homily and a wonderful story. But if you want to hear it, you'll need to come to one of our Curcio sessions to, to uh, have me tell that. 
<clears throat> anyway, by the way, if you hear coughing, I'm sick. John here is sick. One of us is bound to cough a couple times today, so we apologize in advance. Anyway, Jesus and I often talk about things, and this was something I, I needed answers for. And the answer I got was, pay attention to what I said. I heard it as clearly as if someone had been sitting next to me. Pay attention to what I said. Mass began. I did the first reading in the psalm, and I took my seat as, as the priest got up to read the gospel. This gospel, the one I just shared with you. Whatsoever you do for the least of my brother, you do for me. And what you fail to do for the least, you failed to do for me. Really? Really? So by not giving money at the door every morning, I have failed you? Really? And then I heard in response, pay attention to what I said. So while the Mass continued, I reopened my missalette and I reread the Gospel. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was homeless, you gave me shelter. Then I heard the words, I didn't say, pay me. I didn't say when I was hungry, give me money. Or when I was thirsty, give me money. I'm asking you to love those in need. And you didn't even look at him. You didn't even ask his name. You don't even know what he needed the money for. You assumed it was for drugs or alcohol, but for all you know, he could have a sore throat and simply need some cough drops. <clears throat> what? Where did that come from? Cough drops? But I got the point. He's asking for me to care about what people need, not about what they want. Okay. I said, if the man is still outside after Mass, I will introduce myself and ask him his name and ask him what he needs. So here I am sitting in church trying to make a deal with Jesus. Not something I would often recommend, but not something that isn't scriptural. I'm thinking of Abraham in his dealing with God over the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, Abraham, you know, okay, Understand your God, you can do what you want, you have the power to do this. But if there were a hundred honest men, would you save the city? If there were 50, if there were 25, if there were 10, what if there's one? I mean, he's negotiating with God. So uh, Abraham got away with it, so I thought I'd give it a try. I'll, I'll make a deal. If he's out there, I'll do what you ask. So Mass ended, and I walk out the front door. And the man was gone. Well, there you go. I was willing to do what Jesus wanted, but he's not here. Oh, well, maybe next time, right? I'm off the hook. And as I turned the corner to go to my car, here is the man sitting next to the statue of Mary as if he's waiting for me. I'm sure I remember giving a big sigh of aggravation. But, True to my word, I went up to him, I extended my hand, and I introduced myself. His name was Jim. He had a strong, confident grip on my hand, and, and he seemed genuinely happy that someone asked his name. 
How can I help you, Jim? I could use some money, he said. And I answered, I know what you want. I replied, but what do you need? I could use a meal, he said. So I asked him if he knew where the Subway sandwich shop was just a couple blocks up the street, and he did. So I suggested that he meet me there. We talked outside of the shop for about 30 minutes before it opened. And then we went inside and I I bought Jim and me something to eat as we continued to sit at one of the tables and talk. He was living in a local shelter, but the food there wasn't very good. So I had him choose another meal for later in the day and and I bought that one for him as well. Jim and I had now spent about an hour together getting to know each other. And I invited him to come into the church for Mass anytime he liked and, and said it would give others a chance to get to know him and, and having some new friends might be nice. I felt good about my experience with Jim. It helped me to understand this gospel more clearly. There are better ways to really help others than to just give them money. First, give them respect as another human being. Then learn what they need, not what they want. Then do what you can to help them with their need. If they're hungry, don't just give them money that might go to buy a meal. Go share a meal with them. Be invitational. Invite people who need friendship to be your friend. Invite people into the community of the church. Pray with people who need Christ's help in their lives. My interaction with Jim changed me. He changed how I viewed the people I encountered outside of the church before and after Mass. But more importantly, it it changed how I viewed people in general. We are all brothers and sisters of Christ. And what we do for the least of our brothers and sisters, we do for Jesus. How do I know this? Well, here's the rest of the story. Jim thanked me for the meals and for taking time to get to know each other. And then as he shook my hand, he said, Can you give me a couple of bucks? Jim, Jim, I just bought three meals. I'm really now just tapped out. Why? What is it you need? Jim gave me a big smile. He paused a moment and said, I think I'm getting a sore throat. I wanted to get some cough drops. Cough drops. There it was again. I think the force of my jaw dropping to the floor stunned me as I couldn't even think of something to say. Jim smiled as he let go of my hand and he walked out the door and I never saw him again. As I said, this gospel story began at church and it moved to a sandwich shop and where it goes from here, well, that's up to each of us. We never know how Jesus will appear in our life. But one day, we'll be faced with decisions we made and how we treated Jesus in the least of our brothers and sisters. Thank you for listening to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio. May God bless you, protect you from all evil, and bring you to everlasting life. Amen. You've been listening to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio, a program for teens and almost teens to better understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is relevant in your life. Submit your questions to Deacon Al at goodnews at catholicspiritradio.com. That's goodnews at catholicspiritradio.com. Deacon will answer your questions about faith and religion. 
Thank you for listening to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio.